Thanks to Thomas, Charlotte, John D and Hugo for supporting UX Podcast. We really appreciate it. You can support UX Podcast and the UX community too by visiting uxpodcast.com slash support and making a contribution. Hello, I'm Pat Axbo. And I'm James Royal Lawson. This is UX Podcast. We're in Stockholm, Sweden, and you're listening in 188 countries from Aruba to Spain. I, I actually had to look up where Aruba was. Do you know where it is? <sighs> no, I don't. No, I didn't either. <laughs> well, it's, it's, um, it used to be the Antilles, the, the Dutch Antilles. Um, and it's Aruba. Oh, okay. uh, it's, it's a very north bit of um, South um, America. Ah, okay. Yeah, hundred thousand people are there. Um, yeah, yeah. So um, today we have a link show. Awesome! It's been a long time. Uh, Has it been a long time? I it's don't been a know. I always say that. You always say that. Yeah. For if well, it could be a long time if you haven't listened to a link yeah. show for a while. Um, and a link show, for those of you who are not aware of what that means, is where Per and I um, select a couple of articles that we've um, stumbled upon. Um, during the, the hours and hours and hours we spend reading articles every week. <laughs> and, True story. Um, yeah. <laughs> the two we have for you this week are um, Lean UX Canvas Version 2 by Jeff, Jeff Gothelf. And the article number two is Encourage Direct Bookings Through a Positive User Experience by Jordan Wilson. Lean UX Canvas version 2. Um, three years ago, um, Jeff Goffelt, he presented his Lean UX Canvas. Um, and, well, the, the Canvas is one of these um, handouts, worksheets that you can fill in to, to help you get your head around a particular subject thing whatever you're trying on. Or, or print out print out really big and put up on the wall and use post-its yeah. to brainstorm around a different yeah. topic. And there's been quite a few canvases um, as tools over the years from like, you know, biz- business model canvases and, and so on. Um, was it, was it Lean Startup Canvas? There's, oh, there's, there's several of these canvases to help you. Um, but Jeff produced the Lean UX Canvas um, a few years ago. And he's now released an update to it. And um, this update is being based on not only feedback he's received, <clears throat> but also how it's been used and how, how Jeff has been using it during those um, three years. And that's what I really, I'm really excited when, when things go to version two, because uh, I like, for example, Dave Gray's uh, Empathy Map. He, he released that last year, I think, as a version two. And it's always so interesting to read about what did they decide to change and why, because that is hugely important to understanding what people misunderstand, what people think is really good, what type of help they need to understand. Uh, so there's some really good content here. Hmm. And I think it's also, hmm. also an important aspect of, of um, understanding that, uh, you know, we're in, a, we work with something that's continuously in flux, mm-hmm. continuously changing. So, so sitting back a bit, reflecting and, you know, updating is is a is a healthy and important um, aspect to these kind of mm. tools. 
Um, but should we let's we'll back up a little bit though. I think it's it's we'll, we'll go through some aspects of the canvas to help people understand what it is because not everyone will be familiar with with Jeff's canvas, even version one. Mm. So, um, one of the in Jeff's blog post, one thing he does is he actually lists um, what it is or what it should be used for um, to help increase the understanding of, of where it's applicable to be used. Mm. And his list, he lists, I think, like six points. Um, let let says, me just first a f- give a visual of, of the thing. Oh, okay. It's like a big rectangle. It has eight boxes, and each of the box ha- has a title or a question or a statement, and you're supposed to fill in each box. Go. Yeah. <laughs> yep, okay. And we'll get to the boxes yeah. shortly. Um, so when you should use this, or suggest how, when it could be useful. Um, it's a facilitation tool for cross-functional teams. It can help teams focus on why, not lose track of, 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 of the why of what they're doing. Um, it can be an aid during early stages of agile adoption. Um, Jeff also suggests it can be an insurance policy um, for making sure that learning takes place in every sprint. I like that. According to how you're supposed to to work in an agile sort of sprint methodology. Um, He suggests also it can expose gaps in understanding between members of the teams or even between teams. Um, And can be a first step in moving um, from outputs to outcomes. So rather than just producing stuff, you're actually you know, focusing on uh, creating an outcome. Mm. So, right. so it was nice to see that kind of, you know, Jeff himself summarizing how he envisages um, his tool um, being used and to be useful. Yep, definitely. You've already said about it. it's a canvas. It's a worksheet with eight mm. boxes. Um, and, and each of the boxes contains an aspect um, that you should consider. Um, you know, fill in, write something, um, put some sticky, uh, post-it notes somewhere. Um, and what um, what Jeff has done in version two is focus an awful lot on improving the instructions for each of the boxes mm. um, and and clarifying some of the um, the things that have shown to be a bit confusing for certain people or um, haven't seen the the differences maybe between two boxes, um, not fully understood the differences. Um, so you've got boxes one and three um, are kind of now boxes. Um, do you have the Do you have the sheet in front of you so you can see which one and two, uh, one and three are there? Number one is business problem. Uh, what problem does the business have that you are trying to solve? And uh, uh, box number three is users. What types of yeah. users, like personal of, of users and types of customers? I think we'll get yeah. into that some more. I yeah. Have, so, so then you've got um, so you've got mm. one and three. Those two users here, um, and then you've got boxes two and four to the right hand side, which are which are business outcomes and user outcomes and benefits. Yeah, and sandwiched between these two sets of boxes is box number five. Box number five is solutions. So box one and three is where you are now. Box two and four is where you want to get to. And box five is what you're going to do to get across there. Mm. And underpinning the canvas at the bottom, you have boxes six, seven, and eight. And box six, so we're moving now from left to right. Box six is hypothesis. Box seven is what's the most important thing we need to learn first. Uh, 
And box eight is, what's the least amount of work we need to do to learn the next most important thing? So basically, mm. these boxes at the bottom, six, seven, and eight, these are the ones underpinning box five, I guess, you know, letting you understand and know whether your solution was um, the right thing. Or you yeah. could even, I mean, be arguably boxes six, seven, eight underpin actually all the boxes to one to five, you know, the, confirming your, your business problem, your target audience, your business outcomes, your benefits, mm -hmm. and that the solution was right to gel it all together. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's Jeff's um, entire canvas. It's really good um, how, it's, how it's visual and how it's actually, it's, there's a lot of thinking about where things are placed in the canvas. I like that. What, I, what I've always liked about um, the, the Linear X canvas um, is I think, it's, I think it is a, a good uh, cross-functional um, tool to, to allow team, your team or teams um, to kind of take that moment to, to, to pause and reflect and actually properly think through what they're doing. Mm. And, and and understand what they're focusing on, um, as, as Jeff says, and and we've seen. It's far too often you get um, lost in um, the feature factory, yeah, pushing out just producing stuff, and you get further and further away from um, understanding the 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 impacts or the benefits um, of what you're doing and and how that actually um, benefits your business mm. or organisation. Exactly. There is something, though, which I think is still missing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> me, me, me as well. And uh, I mean, yeah, we've talked a bit about I it. I haven't even said about it yet. I haven't said which it is. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, we do actually have the same point. Mm. What, the what the canvas could benefit from and what teams could benefit from um, when discussing um, all of these eight boxes are perhaps an additional two boxes or, or maybe an additional couple of moments of reflection within boxes three and four yeah, ev yeah even more clarity around these boxes maybe uh, just in the description of what you could talk about in those boxes mm. it's Again, interesting it's because i highlighted uh, some of the jeff's comments i was trying to do an analysis of what did he learn himself uh, based on what i was saying before what did you learn that made you change something so mm. Actually, when it comes to box number three, which is users, he, no he had noticed that teams were taking a bit of a shortcut with this box. So he needed a simplification and clarification around that. And box number four, which is where you want the users to be in the future, like the user outcomes and benefits, this was the part of the canvas with the most confusion. Mm. I thought that was interesting as well. So the two of the boxes that were causing the most problems with the canvas are the users and user outcomes. Uh, mm. And what could that tell us maybe about how people work? I'm thinking, yeah, it's easy to fill in. This is the problem we're trying to solve. And this is what we want to get for the business. And these are the fun solutions we want to write out and think about how we could get to that outcome. But there's very little. And I think this is so common in most teams. There is too little focus on spending a lot of time getting the user boxes right which means mm. you have to actually go out and understand people. <laughs> yeah, and this is also why I think we need to add, uh, we need to go beyond the, the, the things you're focusing on and mm. think about the, the things 
outside of that focus area. Yes. So, for example, um, box number three, the the users, um, there, and it's a good improvement that uh, Jeff has pointed out that that the users might be maybe someone who configures the system or an administrator or it doesn't have to be the person who buys your product and service. Um, but here, it will be healthy to think about and list who is excluded from your product. Yes, exactly. Or what you're producing. Mm. Um, yeah, accidentally or deliberately, or I mean, there's several ways people can be excluded. Mm. But um, here's your chance to actually, um, kind of, con- put in concrete terms, um, the people who really are going to be um, pushed away from this. Yeah, and I think I actually wrote uh, wrote down the similar. I wrote non-users uh, question mark. Uh, because sometimes it, it's even helpful. Sure, we understand who the users are, but then maybe it's a way also of putting constraints on your solution. These are the non-users, because like you said, some of them will be excluded uh, intentionally. And mm-hmm. then you have, uh, like, uh, as is common, it's, it's a go-to example, uh, ex- people with accessibility needs, uh, that you perhaps don't wish to exclude really, but that you probably will in the beginning, as most people argue, and you'll add something later. If you're not talking about that up front, chances are higher that you'll keep forgetting them. Exactly. It, mm. it, it becomes more of a, a conscious... Mm. Um, you, you've, you've lifted the decision to the surface and made it mm. more conscious and more, more, more um, obvious that that decision has been mm. taken. Too often we take these decisions, mm. I think, um, subconsciously. Yeah. It, it glides under... Um, uh, this, I think, comes to box four as well. When you've got um, outcomes and benefits, um, of course, I mean you want to focus on the positive. You want to focus on the the, the positive business outcomes and use and user benefits. Um, but there will be um, things. There will be harm. There's potential for harm in almost everything we create. Yep. So here's your chance to to actually think about that and maybe write down um, not just user outcomes or benefits mm. but potential harm exactly what what could go wrong what's the worst that could happen uh, that's always interesting to think about because we always have uh, like indicators of so how do we know this is a success but we should probably also have indicators of when is it a failure uh, how much needs to go wrong before we can actually decide not to do something uh, not to pursue it it's interesting mm-hmm. because this, I mean, of course, user outcomes and benefits is the parallel box or twin box to business outcomes. And business outcomes, uh, Jeff has put in uh, examples of what you could put in there, like it's a 25% increase in customer retention or a 35%, 35% decrease in support calls. Uh, very, very measurable things. Uh, now, those things could happen. You could have a 35% decrease in support calls or uh, increase in customer retention. And people could be worse off. I mean, that those yeah. are outcomes that are really good for the business, but they could also mean that people are worse off. So box number four becomes this indicator where you probably have to be a bit more specific than I think that uh, Jeff has given examples of, where the, you actually have to be start talking about well-being. Uh, as a note, when I was going through this, I actually wrote like box four is the, the ethics box. Mm-hmm. This is where you have the opportunity to, like you were saying, map out what could go wrong, but also think about the indicators of 
what do I want uh, for the users? How do I make sure that there's an indicator here that says uh, not only is the business going in the right direction, the user or the people and the humans are also uh, going in the right direction when it comes to well-being? I think I think what we're talking about here is because, I mean, I like the fact that um, in the canvas it goes from the left side with one and three to the right side with two and four yeah. um, via five. So they, they, there's a symmetry there. There's, a, there's a, a, f- a flow to the canvas. Whereas we're talking about boxes which underpin one and three and two and four so they kind of sit they sit down there as like a um almost as a reminder exactly yeah um that yes what you're doing is leading you from now to a future state but um there are there are things that happen when you go on that journey Mm. we probably should do a ux podcast variation of um jeff's canvas oh that would be cool But 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 to our point is also uh, this information that we're talking about that you would add add to this then is helpful when you get to the the underpinnings of the canvas and so when you're looking at uh, what what are the most important things we can, need to learn first but when you actually decide what's the least amount of work to learn the next most important thing you also are aware of who you are excluding when you are testing that so you are made aware that we are doing the least amount of work to learn something here based on the fact that we are excluding certain types of users that we will not learn anything about potentially. Yeah. So you always need to, because yes, we learn stuff by doing a minimum viable product and, and so on, but that is often at the expense of a lot of people being excluded because you do uh, do things in a shorter time frame with less people mm. and a less uh, diverse set of people. Yeah. and you can also you can also um, you can learn more quickly mm. if you were right that it would potentially cause a certain mm. uh, amount of harm. Mm. There, there, there may be there may be indicators that that uh, hi- that hypothesis in itself was was correct. So you can actually prevent that harm from growing. Right, and just it's just striking me now when I'm looking at box eight because the question is what's the least amount of work to learn the next most important thing. Uh, we, you could also decide to switch that question around. So what's the next most important thing I want to learn with the least amount of work? So you decide the importance of it before mm. you decide that the, the amount of work is the indicator. It's, it's, a, mm. it's a great tool. And, and as, as we've just shown, um, it, it creates conversations exactly. even if you don't fill it in. Yeah. We're, just t- we're, just call- <laughs> we're in a conversation now about the empty boxes. Mm. So, so imagine the conversations you can get from your team mm. if you actually do try and complete this. Exactly. Um, and and remember it. also, well, it's a canvas. You use it in workshop formats. You use, use it in groups. Uh, I mean, it's not that Jeff has not added the things we just talked about. It's just that those may well come up in conversation in workshops when you're talking about it. Uh, mm. These are the things that we think a lot of people miss. Mm. Yep. So this time around when we're going to do the link show, we, we actually had a brief discussion about we need to find something positive because there are a lot of articles out there on UX right now that are talking about this dystopian industry that we've contributed to and making people addicted to stuff. So I, w- I went on a hunt, and, and that's probably why the, the phrase positive user experience is part of this title. Uh, giving away uh, what you searched for. <laughs> uh, probably, yes. So uh, it's, it's called Encourage Direct Bookings Through a Positive User Experience. 
and it's by Jordan Wilson uh, on the Blue Magnet Interactive blog. Yeah, and they, uh, they, I think they're an agency um, yeah. in America that um, focuses um, on the hospitality industry. Right. And so what made me stick with this article, because I always uh, obviously found a lot of articles, is that it made me feel good. It made me feel good about our work and what we strive for and what we can contribute to. And we and something that we always have been contributing to. And it's sometimes we need to remind ourselves and not forget that what we do is essentially positive. And the interesting thing about this, of course, also is that it's about e-commerce. It's about selling uh, hotel rooms. Uh, so, but Jordan, that Jordan in, in this uh, article uh, in the at the offset talks about declining conversion rates, uh, giving examples from FastBooking and Invesp, uh, who have statistics around uh, conversion rates dropping over time. Yeah, the last five years, the, this mm. chart mm. shows conversion rates dropping um, from like 3.5% down to just mm. over 2 in that five-year period. And I'm, I'm going to... Yeah. I'm not going to be dystopian, but I'm going to add a little star mm. next to this because this, these mm. figures are talking about um, average website conversion rates um, globally, yeah. as far as I can tell. I mean, I haven't dug really, really deeply in the stats, but, but when we're talking about global conversion rates, then um, there's going to be, they're going to mask a lot of variations between countries and a lot of variations between industries. Uh, right, and you're also not mentioning that you're increasing perhaps the number of visitors, so you're perhaps having the same number of sales or increasing number of sales, but the conversion rate, of course, is decreasing because of the number of visitors is increasing. Yeah, I mean, so there's, I mean, there's so, so many factors. There is. There's a lot of complexity to, yeah. to conversion rate yeah. and what is conversion rate and who, what data is mm. used, what's the sample in all this. But mm. but there are other sources as well that um, that that is showing that conversion rate maybe isn't by and large, as large as what it once was for some industries anyway. Right. Okay. The numbers guy has spoken. So, <laughs> <laughs> so well, of course, when she started the article like this, I was sort of expecting uh, now then, you're talking about declining conversion rates. So what do you people usually think? Okay, so we need to increase the conversion rate. And, and then people start talking about these techniques like the dark patterns, like the bait and switch or confirm shaming or, or scaremongering or, or like making scarcity uh, counters saying mm. there are people uh, five people looking at this room right now or mm. you have this uh, much amount of time uh, left to book for, to get this discount or, yeah. and stuff like that only, only no. two rooms left yes <laughs> but no what she goes on to do is talk about simply making it better for people and it's just so heartwar- heartwarming because that's not what I expected. Hmm. And that says something about expectations today in our industry about the types of articles that are written. Hmm. How do we boost our profits and make uh, shareholder value grow? No, this is all about the users and making them more comfortable with what they're seeing on the screen so that they are actually helped to book a hotel room. Yeah. Uh, as an interesting aside, but I, hmm. I read or I saw a headline today that hmm. talked about how Ryanair as top yet again of the, the kind of blacklist um, of um, oh. companies here in Sweden um, yeah. for the way that they oh, they conduct their business, to simplify yeah. um, that data. 
Uh, the number of compl- it's, it's, a, it's um, mm. data based on the number of complaints that the ombudsman here in Sweden has to deal with, and Ryanair mm. is um, they they take home that trophy every year. That's uh, crazy. <laughs> it's, uh, it's fascinating yeah. that they they mm. they still survive. It's um, it's one of those mysterious things. Yeah, yeah, it kind of goes to show how how much a much much cheaper price can make people choose uh, something that they know may not even be of benefit to themselves. And even go and even go through a lot of um, um, oh, bad bad patterns or dark patterns to reach yeah. that prize of something very cheap. Um, mm. But anyway, that, sorry, that was an aside. Yes, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now back to Jordan. <laughs> so, so she's writing, a site should be made with purpose and intent. And of course, that's a beautiful introduction. Uh, she goes on to talk about the booking button. Highlight the booking button by making the color pop or using a bold font so that potential guests can locate it immediately. It's a booking site for hotel rooms. Make the booking button easy to find is what she's saying no, here, essentially. Oh, come on. <laughs> but No, but it's it sounds silly <laughs> in one way, but it's also a great reminder that you have actually sometimes... You have to tell people this because they're so focused on other types of conversion rate optimization techniques. Mm. Uh, and uh, She talks about simplicity. Do not overwhelm guests with too many options. Excellent, because that's something that I, when I go to booking sites, actually, I'm overwhelmed with options because they're trying to sort of cause a cognitive overload so it will be impossible for me to compare different alternatives. Mm. She actually mentions... Analysis paralysis. Yes, it's real. People have a hard time making decisions. So it actually, so yep. she's saying, uh, it, it may actually make people not book because you're. And I think that that's sort of why, what I hoped. I can, of course, not draw this conclusion because there's no way, way of saying why those conversion rates were dropping. But it, I'm kind of hoping in my heart that the conversion rates are dropping because people are tired, tired of these techniques. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, from personal mm. experience, you know that mm. if you yeah. if you're faced with Kind of unbundling and having to kind of rebundle it yourself while kind of mm. going through this booking process it's mm. it's it's hard i mean if, if i mean in some ways it falls back to that classic thing we've talked about many many years ago with with you know one of the, one of the best things you could do with forms is reduce the number of fields in your form mm. um you simplify it by taking things away right to a certain extent. To, uh, yeah, I'm, now I'm simplifying <laughs> the, the, the advice there. But it, but it ties in with that, that, that um, yeah. thinking. Mm. And then she talks about mobile friendliness and making your website responsive because obviously it makes sense. Uh, and I th- the thing is, I, I, I was looking, I read the article, looked, was looking back at it, and I thought that she maybe mentioned that Google was penalizing people who did not have mobile friendly sites. But she did not write that. And I like that she did not write that because that is not the reason you should be making mobile-friendly websites. No, it's not the, the main reason. Making, no, exactly. It's, no, the, the reason you're making mobile-friendly websites is because people need them. <laughs> and that is why Google is penalizing. It's, it, yes. it's, it's, they're, being the, they're being the kind of yeah. like the bearer of bad mm. news. Mm. They're going to say to you, right. look, we're going to penalize you because you haven't already done the job of making this better for the mm. actual users because we've noticed mm. they do think it's better if your site is optimized mm. for mobile. Exactly. But 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 Jordan is now not talking like a conversion rate optimizer. She's talking like she's someone who cares about the people, which again is is what Ooh. what I really really love. I'm so positive Ooh, about this. That was interesting. You 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 just did a little thing there where you um, implied that 
conversion oh, risk optimizers don't care about people. No, and that that's of course not true. Uh, I'm gonna sort of say that uh, but, straight but, out. But, but no, but at I, the same time, I have been struggling with. Uh, I mean, and of course, there are cliques in all different types of uh, of uh, uh, work and and people that are writing that. Because the thing is, I've heard people say we don't need UX because we have conversion rate optimization. We can do A/B tests, and we will learn what works just from the data. Mm. We don't need to talk to the people mm. because the people, by clicking, will t- tell us what they want and need. Uh, and of course, I think most people have dropped that argument. But I, I, le- I lived with that argument for many years, and I, I was just growing so tired of it. And for me, that that was like. When people said conversion rate optimization, that was what I was thinking in my head. But of course, I know a lot of people in CRO who actually do work with just making things better in the ways that Jordan's talking yeah. about. In this, I mean, I, 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 I mean, I deliberately took the chance to to call you out on that little comment there. But I, I yeah, and that was good because then I was able to clarify. Yeah, and, and, and we, I think we have <laughs> yeah. we have felt and seen this that there there has been like a, a coming together of the of the marketing CRO UX worlds, and then there's been what I feel anyway, that we're, we're drawing away from each other again. Mm. That uh, I think com- may be connected to what you say about there's a lot of a lot of tools, a lot of practices where where um, CEO, CRO or marketing and sales don't feel they need the the details that maybe UX mm. provides or the, the extra competence UX provides. Or maybe even mm. we try and slow down. We may- Maybe that's part of it, that I think we've we've got an inbuilt um in many of our processes mm. there is a um a tendency a requirement for us to just slow down a little bit you know mm. re- res- resonate think collect data look at what's happening and come mm. with a reasoned um suggestion or design whereas in many of these businesses the 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 conversion rate optimization conversion rate optimization is about getting quick results Finding out yeah. cheaply, quickly, is it that or that works? Mm. Is it that mm. or that that works? What's you know? Mm. So we're constantly kind of like tweaking over, and it's 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 numbers, it's it's big numbers, and it's doing stuff quicker now. And it doesn't measure well-being. Much. And it doesn't tell you a lot of these things. Don't tell yeah. you actually whether it's the right thing, whether it's what some people no. want. They maybe tell you what varies, what what works better, mm. but it doesn't necessarily tell you that that is the right thing to be even. Yeah, and it, it doesn't even give you the options of what to try next, really, because that's something that sort of comes out of people's imagination. Then, if you're not talking to people and being out there and ma- doing interviews and observational studies, you're actually not getting the hypothesis from other people. You're getting them from yourself. So perhaps if you talk to people, you could get more data on what types of things to try next. Mm-hmm. But I, I love some of the some of the quotes mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. from the article. Um, they're that they uh, they made me smile as well. I think there was one there. Mm. Um, you must lead potential guests to take action and book directly without being mm. too pushy. Yes, uh, uh, excellent. And then there's another one: yeah. um, reveal your price sooner rather than later. Yes, exactly. No one likes to feel like mm. they've been fooled. Be mm. upfront with your price. So there was some wonderful mm. kind of common sense. God, yeah, that's that's mm. that is how I feel when I'm kind of mm. tricked, conned. Um, mm. You know, realize that it wasn't the whole truth, and you don't yeah. like it. Exactly. And my favorite, I think, is uh, when she writes, "Listen to the wants and needs of your current and potential guests." She's talking about listening. She actually has the heading "less talking, more listening," mm. 
I rare, very rarely see people give this type of advice. But she, she's writing it under the heading of the uh, FAQ page, that you're actually – the FAQ page is a help to people who rarely take the time to call you to ask questions so that you make sure that you have answered the questions, the real questions that they tend to have. She has a great example. If a guest is arriving before check-in and they need to know if they can store the luggage with your hotel – they will likely want to find this information on your website and not have to call to ask. And when people have to call to ask, sometimes they go to another website. Mm. So this is just a way of realizing that if we are better at listening to the real questions that they usually have and understanding those, we can provide them a better experience online. Yeah, we're, we're, we're being reassuring. Mm. Um, and yeah. we're also aiding um, comparison. Because, yeah. because if, like, if you need to know whether the hotel has parking... Then, then that information has to be easily available for me, so that I can decide to exclude this t- this hotel, or I can decide mm. to go with it. Um, it's it's not necessarily just price based. It's 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 facilities and um, and reassurance that this is going to work for me. It might, does it have a lift? Does it have wheelchair access? There's plenty of things which you 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 really need to bake mm. into it to give you that feeling that yeah, I'll go yeah. with this one. Exactly, and it's so good because. Based on that introduction, conversion rates are decreasing. This could have been an entirely different article, something completely different. And we've seen those articles. Yeah. But this is one of the few times I've actually seen someone look at data and say, so we have to be do better by users. It's not that we used to need to use tech to make people buy more. It's that we need to be- do better by our users. Yeah. I was, yeah, so these kind of articles, I think, Mm. You've, we've read many of them over the years where there'd be mm. there'd be lists of um, behavioral economics tricks and, or mm. there'd be um, there'd be kind of um, tips about what kind of tests to run um, what exactly. what colors to try what kind of things tweaks to do to your landing pages all those mm. kind of um, you know hands on in the sandpit kind of advice for, for mm. making the needle budge uh, right. instead of taking that step back to, to thinking what no, thinking about the person at the other side. That's sort of what I want to end on here as well, is that when we start getting into these dystopian feelings and discussions around where our industry is heading and what we have contributed to, we need to remind ourselves that things like this make a huge difference for a lot of people. We make their lives easier. We make certain things that you do commonly in life easier to cope with. And that is what we contribute with. And, of course, we should take on the challenges that we're discussing on a higher level as well these days. But remember that these are the things that we stand for. And I, I just think that there's something positive to take away and be thankful for. Happy people a good business. Yes. If you want to share your conversion experiences or any other thoughts with us, then you can email us at hey at uxpodcast.com. And that works with the Swedish and American or English version of hey. (laughs) And if you want a suggestion of something to listen to next, uh, try out episode 85, where we actually do talk about persuasion techniques uh, back in 2014 with Bart Schultz. And finally, if you'd like to contribute to funding UX Podcast, then visit uxpodcast.com slash support. Remember to keep moving. See you on the other side.
What did the fish say when he swam into a wall? I don't know. What did the fish say when it swam into a wall? Damn! <laughs>